What's up, everything? The Bombastic Blues won two games this week, and no other things happened. Just kidding, a lot has happened, and we'll dig into it all. We here at TGNC are a team, and we'll try not to sucker punch each other during this episode. So let's get started, and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. It is Thursday, December 13th. Thursday the 13th, Ian. Are you spooked (laughs) out? It always falls on a day that's not... (laughs) Friday. Unless it Sometimes. does fall. <laughs> okay, uh, we have a lot to talk about tonight, and I'll tell you where we are recording. I will. It's our warm home we studios inside of Whoville. Would you like me to do the rest? <laughs> no, yeah. I stopped there. Yeah. Keep reading. I wrote it. I'll continue. <laughs> Here at TGNC, we don't always rhyme, but we thought it was fitting around Christmas time. The rest of this episode will be <laughs> will be recorded in Susian verse. Ian, how are you finding the furnishings in Whoville tonight? Are they tiny? They're tiny. They're people. tiny oh, people. Oh wait, no, these aren't the people that are, like talking to the elephants here. These are the people in the Grinch, right? Mm-hmm. They're all part but of. But they're the, tiny people too. They're all part of the DCU, the Doctor Seuss <laughs> <laughs> cinematic universe. <laughs> I can't wait for the Grinch to team up with Voltron. <laughs> exactly. With our powers combined, we're just a smaller robotic cat. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there was a point this week where I was kind of asking you, Ian, what league news are we going to cover this week? And, you know, we like to keep a healthy balance, sometimes not that healthy for a Blues podcast, of league and NHL news, and neither of us really could think of any NHL stories, and I realized over the course of the last couple of days, it's because the Blues are the league news, Mm -hmm. because they're a tire fire. Um, It turns out when your team is just terrible and you cover them for a a national outlet, quote-unquote, God, that sounded douchier than (laughs) I meant, Um, people occasionally ask you to be on podcasts. So I want to give a shout-out to the Mezzanine and the Balcony. No, I want to give a (laughs) shout-out to the Hockey Writers Podcast, first of all, which just started. Uh, I was on its second episode this week. It's hosted by Jim Parsons, and it was a lot of fun to guest with him and talk about all the rumors that we will discuss later on. Um, And then I was also on the Chell Squared Podcast out of Syracuse, New York this week. Uh, Andrew Chelney is a, a writer and fan of the Rangers and had us had me on, not you, because he doesn't mm-hmm. know you, uh, <laughs> to discuss the blues. where I live, who I am, or <laughs> any of my opinions. Exactly. Um, you know, you probably won't hear anything on those that you won't hear tonight, but if you just can't get enough of my voice, or if you just want to support some good people that reached out to me and had some fun together... Uh, you can check them out. They're both on iTunes, and we've retweeted links to both of those. So, yeah, I mean, the Blues 
are all over the news this week for a lot of different reasons, few if any of them good. Uh, Let's start with a simple one. Chad Johnson was waived on, what was it, Saturday? Was it immediately after the Vancouver game? Sunday, yeah. Sunday Sunday evening. Um, Jordan Bennington was called up immediately after the game, and we were all kind of like, whoa, what's going to happen? And then uh, it turned out, it was just Johnson being waived. Uh, I think this was kind of a kind of a clever move by Doug Armstrong because Ryan Miller had just gone down with an injury. There were a couple other goaltending injuries around the league, and quite frankly, I think he knew that Johnson was likely to be claimed if he waived him right then. I don't think it really had anything to do with particularly what he did in the game on Vancouver, Mm -hmm. which was already well out of hand before he was called in in relief of Allen. Um, But yeah, I think it was just smart timing to say, hey, let's unload a million dollars in cap space by waving him now when we're pretty certain certain he'll be claimed. Uh, He was, in fact, claimed by the Anaheim Ducks, who started him, or at least played him, the other night, Mm -hmm. wearing his Blues helmet with a Ducks (laughs) Uniform, which is always fun. It reminds me of NHL 19. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of other blues news this week that we'll talk about, but why don't we just hop right into covering the games first and foremost, and then we can have our usual long rambling discussion about the various fisticuffs and trade rumors and whatnot. (laughs) Oh, boy. So we start with the Winnipeg Jets. Ooh, was this game on Friday? This is a, it almost a whole It was on Friday, because I did not get to see much of it. I was like, I think I watched most of this one, but we, we took a few notes, because honestly it was a fun game to watch, but there wasn't all that much that went on. I mean, the Blues won, won nothing. I think the big thing to talk about, other than the Blues' actual performance, is that in the first period, Jordan Nolan had a clean shoulder hit on line, on, uh, on line A there, and Nolan got called for elbowing. Mm-hmm. Rewatching this, I don't see any sort of elbow. Normally, elbowing is like to the head. I don't think you're allowed to elbow people, I don't know, hard in the chest, I guess. I'm not entirely sure, but it seems to always be just in the head. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to direct with your elbow. I don't think you really did. It looked like he let over the shoulder. It was a big hit. It was an open ice hit. I understand that it's in Winnipeg, first period, on their star player, in front of the whole home crowd. Refs feel like they probably have to call something. Out of the corner of their eye, they just see 29 go down real hard. They're like, okay, you got to call it. Plus, it's like Jordan Nolan. Wasn't it a, was it a major? I don't think so. Okay. I think it was just two-minute minor. Okay. Which I'm just kind of, as if anything, seems a little more surprising in that direction. You're like, oh, no way. I don't think they scored it well. They obviously didn't score on it at all. They didn't score <laughs> all this game. Um, but it was really... Uh, it brings up the point that in this league, a lot of times now, a big hit is punished either by the refs or by the opposing team trying to get in the other team's face, trying to start a scuffle. I'm getting kind of tired of that. the sport that's super physical, has a lot of this, or at least used to have a lot of this in the game. Legal hits are now being looked at as like a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I get you as the other team you're angry, but maybe you got to realize that your teammate had to keep his head up or your teammate has to be aware of where they are on the ice instead of all of a sudden thinking this was like a bad play by the opposing team. It's really annoying to watch. I thought it was a really clean hit by Nolan. thought it sent a message for the Blues especially, especially a team that really... This was his first game in a boys uniform, right? I don't know if he played one before that. I I think this was his first, but I'm not. I shouldn't. It's been a long week. God, it has been. 
It's <laughs> a really depressing, awkward pause. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, just from uh, covering the blues perspective yeah. <laughs> for the one week. <laughs> but he has been in four games, so okay. I guess that was his second. It's it's just something the blues need a lot of these days is like statement plays, and so you finally get one. And they're punished for it. Right. It's super annoying. I'm glad it didn't take the wind out of this team too much. In general, I thought the Blues played a really good defensive game, especially a road game. Blues did get their one power play goal from Colton Pareko, 14.56 in the second period. It was just a howitzer from the blue line. It looked like it went in off Steen, but I think it hit another Jets player to go in. They credited Steen in the game, but they gave it back to Pareko after the game was done. It was a really good play. It was a really good power play. They kept it in the zone for a fair amount of time. I was surprised with what authority they were able to score with. And then, actually, the Blues played a really good third period, too. Blues held the Jets shotless for almost 15 minutes, which is, honestly, probably the most outstanding thing they've done all season. Mm -hmm. They're up 1-0, they're on the road, the Jets are a great team, and they held them shotless for 15 minutes in the third one. You know the other team's going to push. That's just a one-goal game. You know, when you think the Blues should be pushing, (laughs) when they're down by a goal, and they don't. But, I mean, I really thought that was their best defensive period, maybe just best period overall because they looked competitive throughout a really tight game. Blues uh, had 27 shots on goal at the end of the game. Jets had 26. Blues' faceoffs were 62% to the Jets' 38. Blues were 1 for 2 on the power play. Again, Jets 0 for 6. That's an amazing penalty kill. I believe at one point they might have killed a double minor. I can't remember exactly. Um, Blues had 14 hits, the Jets' 20. Blues had 22 blocks, the Jets 6, and again, great defensive effort, 15 giveaways, the Jets 12. Overall, a great game, I will say, I still thought, this doesn't mean much for the Blues. Yep. It it should mean a lot for the Blues, but we've seen this before. We've seen even better offensive outbursts from this team against other teams, where you think it's an even more of a statement victory, because like, wow, the offense is clicking, they really took it to this other team, and then they just fall flat. Mm-hmm. Stephen, what did you think of the Jets game that you didn't see any of? I mean, I didn't see much of it. I was kind of blown away just reading the score after the fact, you know, with it being one nothing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a huge statement win in one way. You know, you obviously had a really tight defensive game and all that, and without Petrangelo, I mean, that was huge. It does give them a little bit of perspective of like, hey, this team isn't just an automatic sieve without Petro in the lineup, so I Mm -hmm. think that's valuable to know, especially as his name circulates in rumors. With that said, if you shut out the Jets, you're probably caught the Jets on an off night, no matter how good you play, Mm -hmm. because they're the Jets, and this very easily could have been a 2-1 loss. Like, we played really well. I'm not trying to discredit us, but I just don't feel like it was one of those things where it was like we had to win this game. Like, it would have been a travesty if the Jets had won this game, you know. Um, So, overall, it was promising, and I just, you know, we saw what happened right after that. Yeah. uh, Which I guess we can just transition into, unless you have other thoughts. No. Uh, Well, before this game, David Perron was scratched, which was a decision. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I... I I have to acknowledge there's a little bit of hypocrisy on my own 
side, you know, on my own part, because like I get really upset when like Jordan Cairo is a healthy scratch, but then when they scratch David Perron, I'm like, how dare you? He's not the problem, you know. So that's a little bit hypocritical of me, but it just didn't feel like that made sense. Like, don't scratch David Perron to give Jordan Nolan a spot on the team. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. just that. Come on. Um, Craig Berube's comments said, we need everyone doing the little things right. Uh, Perron did take some offensive zone silly penalties, Mm -hmm. as he's wont to do from time to time. But come on, scratching isn't going to fix that now. He's just harking back to his youth. Yeah, he's not going to wake up and say, Sacre bleu! I should only take... Penalty. He speaks English better than half the locker room at this mm-hmm. point. <laughs> I should only take penalties in the defensive zone. But in any case, uh, his scratching did wonders for the Blues as they conceded a goal um, two and a half minutes into the first period. This was one of the strangest goals mm-hmm. that we've seen. Uh Brock Besser fired a puck from the left slot. The puck hit the crossbar and then bounced all the way up to the glass behind the goal and then bounced back in over the goal down and hit Allen in the back and then went into the net off Allen and his skate. Uh, What are your thoughts on that goal? Um, Normally I would say, no, no, I wouldn't. Even any other year I would think that the Blues... Or screwed We're after cursed. that goal. And I felt like it even more after that goal. It was really sad. I was like, you know what? They, I honestly thought they got to get a quick one soon. Because even though it's a wonky goal, 1-0 is going to make them feel awful. And it sure did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so after that, I mean, they looked sloppy overall, I think throughout this game. It's just a typical... I mean, how many times has this happened this year? You finally get what everybody thinks is your statement turnaround win, and then you just... not. I mean, it's one thing to get beat, Mm -hmm. but to just get embarrassed. Uh, Nolan had a great shift through the halfway through this period, slammed into the Canucks all over the ice, etc. But really, uh, it wasn't great overall. Mm -hmm. We conceded a goal about 10 minutes later. Elias Peterson... Had a pretty good game, that kid, overall, I'd say. He's all right. Oh, my God, is he good. <laughs> um, the Canucks easily killed their double minor and skated down the ice to score. Uh, Pedersen entered the Blues zone on the left side, and he let a lineman, line mate uh, drive to the net. Pedersen then weaved his way to the high slot before taking a wrist shot that beat Allen over the pad. Uh, Pedersen easily skated to the high slot for this shot. There were four blues around him. Would you like to describe? Oh, yes. I even have a picture I have posted in these notes. Um, there's four of them. Good there's God. Bortuzzo, Nolan, Barbashev, and Bowmeister. A lot of Bs. Uh, Bortuzzo tries to guard Levo, who's the guy driving the net. Bortz backs in and in. Uh, Nolan goes for a super lazy zero-effort stick lift. It, I don't even think he gets the stick. I think, actually, it probably would have been called for slashing because he gets him in the arm somewhere. Let's see. Barbashev is gliding in behind Pedersen. If Barbie has any hustle at that moment, he can pressure Pedersen from behind. He literally could take one or two strides and be, like, on his butt, but instead he just kind of stops. So I'm assuming he thinks the defensemen are going to cover him. Mm-hmm. Bowmeister says no because Bowmeister backs in and in and in, and the last moment goes for a slow poke check. And doesn't even make contact. It's really... Uh, the picture's sad. It's a Canuck 
the picture alone the is just depressing. And there's no, there's like a stick slowly coming towards the puck because that's Bowmeister and everybody else. Who's is the just one that's falling him. over on the left? That's Bortuzzo. Bortuzzo yeah. Is he just on his ass by the end of the play, or is that <laughs> just an awkward moment? I think he's trying to figure out which direction to go, and he's trying to cover Levo. Oh but, yeah, because Josh Levo's on this team but now. But Levo's like. He's driving the net, but he's driving pretty far wide. Mm-hmm. So it's it is Bortuzzo's guy to cover, but I don't know. Nobody's. Co- it's not like Pedersen came in like blazing fast. Yeah, it looked like a very. I never watched Wayne Gretzky play live, but it certainly looks like a Wayne Gretzky sort of moment. Pedersen just kind of scored and made it look effortless and was kind of a stand up player and kind of thin and lanky and small. And you're like, what? This guy's really good at hockey, I guess. Patterson is insanely talented, but even the best players in hockey should still have to beat you. You yeah. shouldn't give them any help along the way. Um, so then Brock Besser scored two minutes later. I've lost track. I think we're up to like 14 or 15 consecutive goals within three minutes of each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just abysmal. Uh, his eighth goal of the season, Pedersen got an assist. He finished with five points on the night. And Charles, is it Charles Hutton or is Charles who don't? Ben Hutton. There you go. Ben Hutton uh, was the second assist. Markstrom made a big save on Tarasenko, and the Canucks created a two-on-one the other way as Besser pulled away from a chasing Edmondson, who cannot keep up with Brock no. Besser. Uh, Pareko tried to block the pass from Pedersen to Besser, but did not have any success. Besser plopped a wrister behind Allen, uh, and this was the goal that chased Allen and brought in Johnson. So you were, no, you were not at this game. Mm-hmm. This was the next game that you were at, right? The Florida game. Yeah. So don't give me your live thoughts because you don't have it. <laughs> oh, God. It was just so quick. And I I had already given up on this game watching on TV. I still watched the whole thing. But then I was, like, truly mentally over it. I think I had just checked on to Twitter. And I was like, I'm going to see how angry Blue's Twitter gets. And they got very angry. There's still some hope out there from some people. And I applaud you for your mental fortitude, but really, this team is a nightmare to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, at this point, I'm just laughing. We sent out a tweet poll that was something like, to, something to the effect of, are you still watching this game? And the choices were, yes, I'm a masochist, <laughs> and ha, 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 no. And I was surprised by how many people were masochists. I mean, I was a masochist, but you and I kind of have to be. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest of you people, you're not obligated in any way to do this. Why are you doing it to yourself as my fo- as my computer takes a screenshot? <laughs> um, but- I'm glad people watch these losses because I think it just gets people more riled up. We need to... We already have an angry fan base. I want us to be angrier. Nice. Yeah, I mean, if we could just be furious the whole time, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, but force. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want. We don't need to belittle the belabor the point at this point. Bo Horvat uh, scored in the second period to make it four to nothing. At this point, he's got his fourteenth goal. Roussel tossed a puck on net from the right half boards, and Bortuzzo lost the puck, but. Battle in front, excuse me, uh, and Horvat gained control and shot it home. Oh, that was a sad goal. That was one of those ones, too, where it just cleared between, like, three Blues players that I know probably it was kind of a change-up puck, like it had a weird speed to it, and you're like, I would guess the next guy will get it. <laughs> I don't know. It went between three Blues players clear onto the net, mm-hmm. and then whoever it was, yeah, Horvat just pulled away from Bortuzzo and won the puck battle, and that's... That's pretty much sums up the whole season thus far. We got outworked. We got outworked the entire time. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously we're about to talk about a come-from-behind victory 
Uh, but I think overall this team has just... It's one thing for them to come from behind on like a one-goal deficit. They can sort of do that. But if you get two or three on them, and especially like you were saying about the first one, if they get a gimmicky weird one, it's just over. I mean, mm-hmm. the the back is just broken. There is no fight in this team at all. They're a fragile team. Absolutely. Somebody should say that and make hay out of it while the sun shines. <laughs> Nikolai Cold Open scored his <laughs> something goal of the season. Uh, his name is actually Gold Open, but... It's going to be cold open from here on out. Live from Vancouver, <laughs> it's Nikolai Goldhoven. Uh, Elias Pedersen assisted on this one, because why not? And Eric Goodbranson scored on this one, assisted on this one. Not to be confused with Bad Branson in southwest Missouri. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, I mean, Allen and, and Johnson really aren't to blame for any of what's happened in this disaster. Uh, the defense has just kind of given up. You had a lot of notes on the Gold Oban s- score, Tally. Do you want to mm-hmm. talk about that at any more in depth? Or I think the big thing here was uh, it's just it's outworked again. Preko fails to tie up Gold Oban stick. It's as simple as him just being there when it gets passed over to him. And this is another thing where Pedersen has the puck sort of on the goal line to the far right mm-hmm. is able to make this pass straight through like the top of the blue paint to another guy yeah. to, to Goldobin to score but like Pedersen shouldn't be able to make that pass because he's one of their best players and the blue should have him covered already right. but it was another case of line A-itis where like they just lost him granted Pedersen's not necessarily well I mean he kind of is he's got 15-16 goals in this game he wasn't the goal scorer but he assisted on four of them. Like, you have to find this guy. <laughs> He's, I guess that's what makes him so good is he knows the quiet areas of the ice. But, like, just mark the dude. Let Gud Branson be the guy that's not covered. Like, yeah. I don't understand why he was just able to skate through this team. I guess by the end they figured it out. You know, when we play Vancouver on, I think, sometime this week, Tuesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. we'll have him cover, like, white on rice, and we'll beat him 1-0 in Vancouver, just like we did the Jets, and we will have learned. Too little, too late. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, there was that play, I forget what team it was against, but we had that picture in our notes where uh, J-Bo took a shot Mm -hmm. from the point, and there was literally not a defender within 20 feet of him because they were all battling at the net or down under against the rest of our team. And I think Thomas tipped it and it went in. That kind of goal you can forget. If there were two people covering Jay Bomeister and he dumped it out to Vladimir Tarasenko, who was in the crease and wide open, and he scores, you can't allow that because you've got to be on Vladimir Tarasenko, even the way he's played this season with the relative lack of goal scoring. The Blues' only bright spot in this game was Jordan Cairo's first career goal. I'm so sorry that it came in this dumper of a game, (laughs) as did Robert Thomas's, I think. I think they were both in similar sort of just crap fests. Um, O'Reilly was behind the goal line and to the right of the net, and he passed the puck to Bortuzzo at the top of the right circle. Bortuzzo tried to one-time the puck, but his stick shattered, and Kairou collected the puck in the middle of the slot and flings it past Markstrom and into the net for his first NHL goal. It was a nice snipe. He knows yeah. how to find twine. I was happy about that. We'll talk about Kairou more towards the end of the show. Uh, he's got a bright future, but his present is a little shaky. <laughs> we'll yeah. talk about it at the time. And then 
and Brock Besser just to make sure there wasn't a moment where the Blues could enjoy Kyrou's goal. Brock Besser scores 40 seconds later as Tom Calhoun is yelling, Blues goal at the end of Kyrou's goal announcement. Besser buries his hat trick by putting the puck towards the net from the blue line and having it deflect off Edmondson in front and into the net. I find it ironic, incredibly ironic. I would believe it was before this game that the Fox Sports Midwest team had run some graphic about containing the stars, and it was like Line A and McDavid and somebody else, I don't remember who we played right before that, uh, that we had like held goalless and mm-hmm. they'd had like one point between them in the three previous games. And then in this game, we give five points to Pedersen and three goals to Besser. It's like <laughs> anything that we think we might be doing right, we immediately prove that we're not doing right. So at the end of the day, it was six to one. Uh, there were only 44 total shots in this game, and the Blues had the majority of them, which is insane to think about. 23 to 21. Uh, faceoffs were split right down the middle. Blues had a 51% advantage. Both teams failed on two power plays. The Blues had more hits and blocks. What else is new? And the Blues had more giveaways as well. Do you want to talk about some of the postgame comments, or shall I read them off? I was like, let's do it. I can start off at least. Okay. So. This was kind of, I don't know, more candid post-game comments than usual. I mean, they weren't too transparent, but they were a lot angrier, I think. Uh-huh. I think, especially from Braden Shen. Braden Shen from Luke Horak and from Jeremy Rutherford basically both said this is like the most pissed off they've seen him in his time as a Blue. Uh, Braden Shen on the fans, he said, they come to see us play and pay to see us play, and that's multiple times where we've put out poor performances on home ice. Yeah, said Braden's blue center Braden Shen, who was visibly upset answering questions. It's obviously unacceptable, and we've got to find ways to not only win hockey games, but make this a tough place to play, a proud place to play in front of our fans. Uh, Braden Shen's thoughts on the Blues' mental toughness. They scored that first goal there where it goes in off Jake. I thought before that we had a decent start to the game. They got in the one... full two minutes before <laughs> yeah, that goal. Yeah. We had a really good start. One shift. They get one lucky goal, and we just shut it down. And let it be known, this is not shut like... Shut it down. They didn't, like, shut them down. That was the mentality. They mentally shut mm-hmm. down. He says, we're a fragile group. On Fragile. The, on the four-minute power play, the Blues could not score on. Shen said, we were awful. Two shots on the goal, I think we had, and they had six breakouts. So, obviously, we need to score there or at least create momentum. Now, do you want to talk about Vladimir Tarasenko? Because after you read some of these quotes, i got things to say. Yeah, absolutely. So, Vladimir Tarasenko said some words that were will sound eerily familiar. <laughs> uh, he said, There is no consistency in our game. I apologize to all our fans. We can't play at home like this. It's unacceptable. I don't know how to, like, fix it. We work on it, but it doesn't work for now. We have a really hard game, and then the next day, we just blow up like this. Like, I don't know. Uh, There's nothing funnier than breeding his semi-broken English and just a flat American voice. I do like when he says, uh, I don't know how to fix it. We work on it, but it doesn't work for now. <laughs> like, the IT guy has to leave for the night. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, well, we tried to fix it, but it doesn't work for now. We'll figure it out in the morning. Would you like me to read some of his other ones? Oh, yeah. Uh, on being outscored at home and having a 6-8-1 record at Enterprise Center. We work on it, but it doesn't work. 
love you. Uh, it feels weird, and we all feel bad that we're here, especially playing like this at home. There's no excuses to us. It's easy to find any excuse right now. No, it's not. But like I said, we can't play like this, especially at home. This was always a hard building to play in. We need to get it back somehow. Would you like my thoughts first, or do you want to give your thoughts first? I love Vladimir Tarasenko, Mm -hmm. and I know that he earnestly means everything he says. And on top of everything else, English is clearly his second language. So (laughs) I realize that maybe he can't present things as ideally as I like, as, as, you know, he might like, rather. Two problems. One, I he said basically exactly this at least once already this mm-hmm. season. So it, you run out of capital at some point, buddy. I'm sorry, you just do. But secondly, I don't like this implication that this is somehow worse because it's at home. Mm-hmm. This is awful, and it's unacceptable wherever you play. I get the idea that you're playing for fans and you don't want to disappoint them, but don't worry about what the damn fans think. Have some self-respect for yourself. (laughs) And worry about how embarrassing it is for you to be associated with that game. Now, please take it away. That's what I was going to say. Like, where's the, like, personal agency? (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I'm fucking embarrassed because, Jesus Christ, I'm like a professional hockey player and we look like crap. I know it's to media and so it's just going to be for fans to read so they're going to talk about fans. But... uh, I, I appreciate all the apologies, but I feel like it sounds like he's the one who apologizes the most. And eventually, like you said, it just starts to sound hollow. It's not really his fault, necessarily. Yeah. You know, you can only say so much, but just like, yes, I know. You're sorry. Sorry, fans. Sorry we look so bad. It's broken. <laughs> just Also, the fact that he's like, we don't know how to fix it. So we'll, we'll talk. I don't know if we will talk about this, but... It does kind of remind me a little bit of, like, in a different sense, but, like, the Oshi comments from a long time ago when he was, like, it's information overload. I don't think that's like this, but it's just weird comments where it's, like, we don't know what's wrong, and it's, like, I don't expect you to tell me we know exactly what's wrong and here's what it is, but, like... You gotta know. It just sounds weird. To me, saying, like, we don't know what's wrong. Like, you don't know? Well, and the other thing was, that was under Hitchcock, right? Yeah. When he said that. Hitchcock was never shy about saying exactly what he thought was wrong. Mm. It was different every game. game. But, like, he was very specific, you know? Like, you've got to control the seven inches of ice between the face-off dot and the outer circle. If you can't control (laughs) that, you can't win hockey games. And you'd be like... I don't know what that means, but they're going to do that better next game. Yeah, um, yeah so, like, that that quote bothers me, but back into the present. I don't know if they, they, they don't know what's wrong, but they know what's wrong. Yeah. Like, if it's friggin' Alexander Steen has pictures of Petrangelo's uncle doing awful things to children in Beirut or whatever it is. Whatever it is, like whatever this situation is, they know what's effing them up inside the locker room. So address that. And if you can't address it, stop apologizing then. Uh, Just stop pretending it's going to be better because it's not. Just stop saying you don't know what's wrong. I don't know. I honestly don't know what you say anymore. It's gotten to the point where they can't say any new things, and they almost start saying that. They're like, well, we can't say anything else. It's like, uh, 
Is that like a meta joke? Is that like some weird like... Gotta say something, because right now you're just sitting. (laughs) Looks like you're boogie boarding. (laughs) Um, Alexander Steam went on to say, on what is wrong on the ice? Right now we're not committed enough to what we want to accomplish. You know, tonight was a couple of unlucky bounces. No, it was not. That is not an accurate description of this game. And it completely changed the competitiveness of the game. We've got to work at it every day. Every day is a new opportunity, and we're not taking those opportunities right now. Shin was asked to respond to these comments and responded tersely. That's a question for him. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he can have the answer to that. Ooh, intrigue. Didn't you say you listen to, like, Spittin' Chicklets or something, and Shen spoke highly of Steam? Yes. Or Steam, to at least? Yeah, well, I didn't hear it firsthand, but that is how it's been explained to I me. I tell you what. I need to go back and listen to this it. This team but... is, like, a, a fucking enigma. Like, seriously. <laughs> at one end, it's like, no one likes Steam. And then the other end is like, everybody likes Steam. I'm like, I don't... What is happening? Well, and that's the thing, is, like... I'm not saying, like... They wouldn't have gone on spitting chicklets and just buried Alex. Well, Steve. no, yeah. But they did like speak pretty openly. I mean, the one clip I did see was them speaking pretty openly about Ken Hitchcock's coaching style. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they're going to pretend. Well, Braden Shen didn't know that, but the rest <laughs> of the guys did. I don't think they're going to pretend that like they love Alex Steen. They may just be like, oh yeah, Steen's great. Mm-hmm. You know, but not speak glowingly about him or anything. I just want to know. It's one of those things where, like you said, eventually a book will come out in 10 years by some ex player and we'll learn who was the problem or, you know, it'll be talked about somewhat. Mm-hmm. But I want to know now. <laughs> um,. Craig Berube said, we're very disappointed, not even close on the play of the veterans. Uh, Does the coach begin to hold more veterans accountable and even take their minutes away? He says, we can do that. There's different ways. That's an in-house thing anyhow, right? He he proved his willingness to do that by benching Jordan Cairo and Zach Sanford in the next game. (laughs) I like how he said right, like he was asking the media, right? I can do that. Yeah. And I, I think I tweeted about this, but I was like, at some point, these things have to stop being in-house things. Like, I understand you've got business and we're not in the locker room and we didn't hashtag play the game or anything. But at some point, coaches, the coaches at least, if not the players, owe the fans a better explanation of how the hell you're going to fix this. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, we'll deal with it in-house. No. No, because... Some 10,000 to 15,000 people are going to be paying to see how you deal with it next week, and it hasn't been good enough so far. <laughs> Hockey is like that weird boys club where, like, there's never any transparency. Yeah. I mean, just upper body, lower body injury. You just never know. Mm-hmm. No one will know anything. Exactly. Uh, on goaltending, he said, it's got to be better, just like our other players have to be better, too. We got a four-minute power play and nothing happens, especially early in the game like that. We have to make something happen there, and that's our best players on the ice. He very quickly turned from not burying the goaltenders uh, to the power play. We're going to have to keep drilling in their heads so you guys can keep asking me and asking me and asking me. I'm going to tell you the same thing. We're going at it. We're going to keep pounding it in their heads until they get it. That's it. I tried to look as to what he was talking about. Pounding in their heads. I couldn't find what he was talking about. Winning? 
I guess. I don't know. Uh, And then the after the game, we talked about Jordan Bennington was called up uh, in a corresponding move. Evan Fitzpatrick was called up from the Tulsa Oilers to the San Antonio Rampage. I am so in love with that ginger goalkeeper. I don't know why, but I am head over heels for my boy Evan Fitz. He's 20 years old, people. He's coming. He's coming. Uh, No, I really do like Fitzpatrick. I know some people are like worried that he'll be overexposed, but as I said to somebody, and you know, it was polite discussion. We weren't going at each other's throats, but somebody was like, you can't rush him. You can't rush him. And I'm like, I agree, you can't rush players along, especially goaltenders, but how has not rushing goalies worked for the Blues over the 50-year history of their (laughs) franchise? It hasn't worked that great. That has been, since time immemorial, the problem the Blues have had. So maybe, and I'm not saying he is, although I think there's some reason to believe he might be, if Evan Fitzpatrick is special, I'm not saying rush him, but maybe don't put up unnecessary false barriers in his way. You yeah. know? Don't say, well, he has to play a whole year in the ECHL and then two whole years in the AHL before we could ever consider him for the NHL. If he's good, he's good. I realize your game of all but if he's good, he's good. Let him play in the in the AHL at least as a backup for a while. Um, yeah, should we, should we go on to the Florida game? What? <laughs> Would you like to talk about it or shall I? You can talk about it. I'll throw up my live comments for being live at the live game. <laughs> live! Was this the game you were live at, Ian? I watched uh, it on my computer. Kairu has was scratched here. Do you want to talk about that, or do you want to wait until we talk about him being sent down? Uh, we can talk about it here, just because I think watching him in the Vancouver game, despite the goal, and just the trending thing I've seen of him as of late, or as of his whole time up here, sort of, is he's a noticeable player with his speed. He's more than a Magnus Payarvi, who was, like, literally just speed. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I think Kairu sees the game well. You can see that he's trying to find open areas. I don't think he's fighting for open areas, and I don't think he's necessarily fighting to get the puck back when he doesn't have it or playing necessarily amazingly defensively. He's not really losing the puck defensively or losing battles, but the problem is he's not really engaging in them in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so I think... That's probably a thing that this team saw or, you know, the front office or management saw, and that's why he got scratched and eventually sent down after this game because I just think he needs more time on ice where less is at stake. I mean, the HL, I know they're trying to win their games too, but, like, really... Apparently not. No, yeah, <laughs> like, not San Antonio. They, San Antonio can afford to give that dude 20-plus minutes of ice because they just stink anyway. Give him 40. And he was, do- he was doing well down there too, and I don't think it's a case. It's way too early to be like, well, it's another case like Tyratty or something, you know, good yeah, NHL people player. people are way too quick to give up on these prospects. This, we're not even halfway through... The se- his Their first, first season, professional season. And he hasn't even played all of the games either. Yeah. And he's played like 15 games in the AHL, less than that even. Mm-hmm. Like, give the kid some time. He's like, what, 20, I think? Yeah, he he's just 20. He literally played in juniors last year. He'll be fine. You can see that he has the vision and that he, like, he has the skill. And it's more of a... You know, I'll say like an effort thing. I don't think he's like lazy. I think you just have to learn, oh, I have to perform this much 
more. I have to put this much more effort in to be able to keep up with these other guys. And kind of a confidence thing, too. I thought maybe with the goal, I was really hoping they'd play him in the next game. Mm-hmm. Or, against, or in Florida. In Florida. Against Florida. Florida. Because of the goal. Just like, that's confidence. You didn't. He scored it right at the end of that game. You have no idea how he's going to react uh-huh. after that first goal of his. I was hoping, I was like, please, I just want to see him play after that. Because I think he might have had like a really good game. Maybe they just didn't see him practice. I don't know. I think he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But I do think he'll benefit from getting more ice down the AHL. Yeah, I agree. And the thing with Kyrou is he has world-class speed. Mm-hmm. It's not just he's kind of fast. It's not the Magnus PRV straight line. Right. Only. He is an elite skater. And the, you know, it, it's too easy to say, well, that's the one thing you can't teach. But that's the one thing you can't <laughs> teach. No, but real, I mean, seriously speaking, the rest of it can come with time. Mm-hmm. It's already there. It's not like he he skates really fast and has never touched a puck before. We're mm-hmm. talking about a guy that led the OHL in scoring last year, which isn't an easy feat. Um, yeah, just give him a minute. <laughs> you know, like just let's not. I know we hype these guys, and and we were all over them too. Yeah, we pumped the tires. But most people don't just step right into the NHL and become Elias Peterson. And Elias Peterson last year had a full season playing with grown-up men in Sweden. Mm-hmm. It's not the caliber of hockey that we play, but it was full-on adult Swedish men mm-hmm. that he was playing with. And just give him time. Well, you even know? top ten draft picks take a little time and won't just blow the yeah. doors right off. There's guys that are picked 8, 9, 10 that, like, take a while to get going. It's like, yes, was, Austin Matthews got yeah. four goals in his first game. But he was, he first. was Austin Matthews <laughs> yeah. from the beginning, though, mm-hmm. you know? Like, Jordan Kyrie got picked, what is that, 31st? Thirty. Well, I think it was maybe 32nd. Okay, percent, yeah. Right, like, right at the top yeah. of the second round. So, like, I know... You can have guys that you pick sixth or pick in the sixth round that just blow the doors off and are amazing. But like he's he is what he is, and people and people knew what he is and they let him off the. <laughs> but they didn't. On I, second thought, I want to say thirty fourth, and now I'm testing myself. Thirty fifth. I was still uh, wrong. We were, we were almost there. But like, yeah, I think he's going to be a great NHL player. But just from we'll just say draft position alone. He wasn't going to come in here and be, you know, flipping amazing immediately. Mm-hmm. But you can, I don't know. I don't know how you watch him play or watch what he has or anything like that and, and say, like, oh, well, I guess he's going to be a bust then. He doesn't have bust on him. He, he, he thinks the game really highly. Mm-hmm. His positioning is great. To recover from a broken stick and snipe a goal home takes real talent. You know, I mean, the shot alone was impressive, but just to be in the right spot to recover the puck in a in a situation where maybe you're not paying attention or expecting it right there at mm-hmm. twenty, he's twenty years old. Like I, I know that hockey players are young. Maybe I'm maybe I'm getting old, but I think about stuff where it's like I wouldn't trust me to do half the things twenty years old or twenty years uh, old twenty year olds are expected to do. Remember when you, you know? thought you were an adult at twenty? I know you got the world figured out. I'm gonna graduate from college and I'm gonna be a business guy <laughs> on Wall Street. I said to myself, <laughs> 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 "Business." 
Yeah, so let's give Kyrie some time, and we'll talk a little about Robert Thomas later on. Uh, Perron was back in after being scratched in the last game and refused to talk about it. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. Jaden Schwartz also was activated and placed into the lineup, and even though he played the full game, is not yet on IR again. So way to go, Jaden. <laughs> um, Edmondson is out with an upper body injury. It was a stick to the hand from Besser last game. Schmaltz enters in to replace him, so you're looking at the def- the overwhelming defensive <laughs> pairings of Colton Pareko and Vince Dunn, Robert Bortuzzo and Jay Bomeister, and Jordan Schmaltz and Chris Butler. I have to say, I was that gu- a guest on that Shell Squared podcast today, and... Uh, he was reading down our active defenseman, I guess, from the last game or just whatever, and he got to Chris Butler, and he went, Chris Butler? Ugh. <laughs> Which I've actually, we all like C-butts around here, but that's the right response. Yeah, well, actually, credit to him for even knowing who Chris Butler was. But While we're talking about Chris Butler real quick, just before we mm-hmm. talk about this game, what? I mean, I wish he talked like that. But really, he talks very eloquently oh, about yeah. a hockey player. He's got a future in broadcasting. Yeah. You know? I think it was the <laughs> day before this game, or maybe it was that morning. Man, that guy, first of all, no offense to Canadians, but you can tell this guy is from America. And also you can tell that <laughs> he he's... He speaks good. Yeah, and that he's also not from a border state, but he's literally <laughs> from here. Just because there's no, like... Uh, you know, or you know, there, and you know, you got to get the fucking deep, you know, boomerang my north, twiggy yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> like north south, you know, uh-huh. two hundred foot game. No, this guy, I, what did he say? He just talked about like the fragility of this team uh-huh. and really broke down the mentality of how this team might just be crumbling under pressure. Like they knew they got better this summer, uh-huh. and that they really need to perform well, and that now that they're not, it's just compounding. Yeah. I thought it was crazy. He's like, yeah, this is probably like one of the best teams and would be a legit Stanley Cup contender. I was like, wow, Chris, good for you. Like, I yeah. mean, we had a good shot. We had a, we had a better shot than about, I thought. Because growing up here, he was like, yeah, you know this team's history and this mm-hmm. has to be one. Of, and there's some truth to that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's totally true because Jake Allen was still the goalie, but you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I think. We should have hired him instead of that Joe Vitale. I actually think Vitale's been fine, but he does have a future in broadcasting yeah, if he wants it. A coach, at least. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So, <laughs> did I say so a lot there? So, so we've done uh, lots of that tonight. We haven't had enough to drink. No. I need to stop thinking and start drinking. The Blues have a fair amount of pressure early. They do get a double minor on a high stick for Matheson. They got maybe one shot on the double minor. It's good to see they learned from the (laughs) error of their ways in Vancouver, uh, or against Vancouver. Uh, and then the strangest play of the week happened. You would have thought it was the Brock Besser goal, but it was not. No, no actually, we actually managed to outdo the Brock Besser goal uh, with the Tim Peel goal. And if you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, I know the name Tim Peel, and he's a referee. You'd be right. <laughs> Robert Bortuzzo chipped a puck in from center ice off a you know, neutral zone draw, and it just caromed off the midsection 
the lower midsection <laughs> of referee Tim Peel and went right into the net off of Luongo's skates. I mean, this might as well happen. Yeah. Jer- John Kelly, by the way, to his eternal credit, is the only person in the hockey world that knew right away that this was not a goal. So credit to him, yeah. seriously, because he was like, that's not going to count from the beginning. And the friggin' Florida broadcast was like, that's a good goal, you know? Like, this is unfortunate, well, but you got to count it. That's a Denny Poppins and <laughs> Catch when he blows to the head. But uh, rule 78.5.3 of the NHL code. (laughs) You know it's a rule when there's points. (laughs) Exactly. Says apparent goals shall be disallowed by the referee and the appropriate announcement made by the public address announcer. I like that that's included. (laughs) Public address announcer cannot speak about this. For the following reasons. And then the third is when the puck has been kicked using, uh, or no, I read that wrong. When the puck has deflected directly into the net off an official. Here's the problem with this. It didn't. It definitely went in off of Luongo's skates. My thinking is this should have been a good goal. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think it should have been a good goal. If we're going to say that doesn't count, then when the ref stands in the way and it, you fire a puck in and it hits a skate and it goes to opposing player and they score and it's like, well, they touched the puck last. The player didn't. Like, they would have never had the puck if it didn't hit the ref. So I was like, you should just call the play dead if it touches the ref. That's ridiculous. And if that's ridiculous, you should allow goals of going off the ref. I'm sorry. It sucks. It's awful. I, God, I hope a playoff series is never determined by such a thing. I do. I hope it is determined <laughs> by such not a us. thing. Yeah. But... It, it seemed kind of silly, and especially because it didn't just go flying straight in. Luongo's not expecting it, but he's he also time. looking right at it. He had plenty of time. Like, yeah. I wouldn't expect that to happen, but you there's a couple it's seconds pretty good there. Goal yeah, I was like, come on, really? It was a chip off from the neutral zone off yeah. the balls into the net. Also, it was super clear immediately that it went off the ref. And if this is the rule, and I don't expect every ref to know every rule ever immediately, but they should probably know this one, the uh, one that involves them directly, why not just wave it off right away? Wait a second. They should probably know all the rules. They should. I'm thinking of me if I'm a ref, to be honest. I'm like, I'm not going to know every rule. Oh, wing it. Yeah. Um, Which one's that? Uh, that's a clipping. <laughs> They're like, what? That uh, one's a... That's a legal block in the back. We're going to call a 15-yard penalty. Well, they have that in the NBA goaltending. That's goaltending. They're like, but I'm... Some, but I'm the goaltender. Well, you should just get right off the ice. Oh. Oh, that's going to suck for you to be in the box. Um, so what I don't get is that why the big thing I really didn't get out of all of it was really why they didn't just wave it off immediately. Uh-huh. They played the whole song, they did the whole thing. I swear they're like, well, let them play their song. Oh, I do the little count. And then we're gonna skate the center like no. I've heard, I've heard freaking oh so much this week because this clip went viral. Um, here's the thing: either refs are part of the field of play or they are not. Mm-hmm. This is a weird middle ground to strike. And the NHL talked to Greg Wyshynski, and I don't have the intimate details, but they basically confirmed that the 
call was wrong by denying profusely that the call was wrong. <laughs> because they kind of said, well, it's not a rule that the that if it goes off the goalie and in, it does say directly, but it implies in off the goalie as well. But it doesn't say that. <laughs> I just, I mean, we won. I don't care. Even if we lost, I don't care. They called it by the book ish. But what a <laughs> just the NHL is so weird. Just overall. I think we can all agree on that. Uh the Panthers score late in the period. Evgeny dead and off. Uh Scored his 14th goal, fall, assisted by Jonathan Huberto. Um, Steen played a puck around the boards behind the net to Pareko. Pareko is pressured by Dadanoff and can't get a clean, clear woof. <laughs> Did Colton Pareko just just dry up all the goodwill he'd raised in the in the uh, Winnipeg game in this one? Trust. <laughs> Yikes. Um, how many times have we seen Pareko? Anyone, really, but it seems to be Pareko. Just failed to clear a puck leading to a goal. Not like yeah. not like some miraculous glove catcher, blue line keep in, but just like, whoops, I whiffed on it. Pareko can't shoot the puck hard or anything, So, and I realize you don't want just to ice it every time, but still... Um, there were a couple more tie-ups. Huberdo got the puck in to queer as day, uh, got the puck in the queer as daddy crashed the net fast and hard. (laughs) Uh, daddy got a backhand fronthand move in as Pareko half-heartedly whacked at him from behind. (laughs) This does not, did not seem as sexual as I was writing it, but he roofed it over Allen for the game's first goal. Barkov helped with the takeaway, but didn't getting assessed. Barkov uh, is not a sexual name. <laughs> As I think Mr. and Mrs. Barkov would, <laughs> would disagree. Yeah. Uh, Jake Allen had some issues in the second period, but didn't allow any goals. He flops around in the net. Mm. He's just not in position a lot of the time. Never catch a fish and put it on the deck of your boat. It's Jake Allen. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Blues didn't look terrible in the second, but they didn't look great. Oh, there was a shot in this game, sorry, a second period I remember too, where they fired a puck at Luongo. It was a floater, and some forward literally just gloved it. Like, at the circle. He's like, nah, I think I'll feel that one. I just put it down. <laughs> I've never seen someone just, like, catch a puck heading towards the net and go, nah, and just, like, skate it out. It was super embarrassed. Uh, I think Robert Thomas looked really good in this game, but they did have a Thomas Bozak maroon line, which I guess is a thing that you can have. Thomas looks fine. The other, maybe the other two are making him look super good. <laughs> uh, near the end of the period, Dar- Thomas did get a debatable co- holding call that Lou Korak just ripped into him for. I mean, fine, Lou, but I would have picked bigger people to pick on in this game. Yeah, what I'll give Thomas to, and we'll talk about him too later, is just, even though he makes, I don't know, mistakes, or he... Never! ...ends up taking penalties and things like that, I think on the flip side, he, especially in this game, he looked super dynamic. There's at least two or three different scoring chances he created all on his own for himself, and while he didn't score, like, if he keeps doing that, they're gonna go in. Mm -hmm. I think he, especially more than Kyra, obviously... 
you can like see, I can see that that guy's an NHL player and just needs a little more time playing these games. Or I think he has his confidence now. I think someone finally got to him where he got to himself and is like, you know what, I can play with these guys. I'm 19 or whatever, but I'm just as good as anyone else around here. I'll just try what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I think those young guys, that's all you need is a little confidence and all you real, sudden you realize you're less starstruck that you're in the NHL and you start playing like an NHL player. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And it was rewarded early in the third period with an assist, his seventh of the season, which I didn't even realize he had that many. Uh, The Panthers hit a post behind the helpless Jake Allen, and the puck skittered along the crease at one point before this goal, but they did not score. It went the other direction, and Barbashev got his fourth goal of the season, assisted by Thomas and Sundquist. Name a more iconic duo I saw someone tweet than Ivan Barbashev and Oscar Sundquist. We'll say they were Tweet of the Week. I don't okay. know who it was, but there's your Tweet oh, of the Week. I thought we were going to name some. I don't know. Scotty Upshaw and Kyle Bradzi. Oh, How about baby. That? Scotty Upshaw and the Arkells. <laughs> <laughs> I guess All that's... of Canada and the Arkells. <laughs> <laughs> they love that Hamilton, Ontario <laughs> alt-rock band. <laughs> Jeff Merrick and Jeff Merrick's tattoo artist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sundquist broke up a pass and streaked up the ice with uh, the puck that he had on his stick, and Thomas was leaving the penalty box right at the same time, and Barbie was trailing close behind. His initial pass doesn't work, but Thomas collected and went behind. He passed to Barbashev, who was deep in the slot. It was a really neat pass. Neat? I'm an old person now. <laughs> and Barbashev sniped it home. You know how Ivan Barbashev does, and we thought, hey, this team is tied, and then they were ahead. Like, right there, just like immediately. <laughs> 11 seconds later, David Perron, his ninth goal of the season, assisted by Jaden Schwartz, his eighth. The Blues won the draw and rimmed the puck in behind the net. Mike Matheson, wearing the number 19 and doing his best Jay Bomeister impression, (laughs) passed the puck right to Schwartz, who had pulled up at the half boards. He hit Perron, who was floating in the circle for the one-timer, and beat Luongo. Uh, It was a really nice shot by Perron. You don't really think of him as like a sniper, but he is up to 10 goals on pace Mm -hmm. for well over. Over 20, I guess, on the season as a whole. I don't know if he'll get there or not, but he has scored them in bunches. At least five of his goals have come in two games. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so the Blues went up two no, two to one very quickly in a game that had just been flat and boring for the most oh, part until then. They there. lost a boring game, a two period boring game, one to nothing, and won a one period interesting game, like four to two. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got it, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Perron scored again ten minutes later, his tenth. Schwartz's ninth assist. Braden Shin's eleventh assist. Uh, this looked like quite literally the exact same goal, but then I noticed that there was an extra part of it. Uh, This time the rush started from our own zone, and it's just Schwartz's speed and determination that carries him around the boards to the same spot on the half wall as the assist the last time. Uh, He just passed to the Perron in the circle again, and I thought Perron just sniped it home, but in fact he actually attempted to pass to Shin, who was crashing the net, and the puck took a weird bounce off a defender and went in the net. You'll take them any way they come. Um, so the Blues were up 3-1 to one all of a sudden, and then they weren't. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden. The world-class scorer Mackenzie Weger, Weegar, scored his first goal of the season, assisted by Jared McCann and Mark Pissick. You know it's great. 
when the points on a goal against in like the midway point of the season add up to 10, you know you really got a high-quality line that's scoring <laughs> against it. Uh, Bortuzzo, Shin, and Perron all tried to get a puck clear, but they failed. McCann took the puck around behind as Weger skated in and scored. Uh, I couldn't get a good angle, but it does look like Allen wasn't holding his post especially well here. Mackenzie Weger is a former seventh-round pick with three career NHL goals and 12 points in 86 games. I only include that because... Nowadays, it is very rare that you can name an NHL player of whom I have just never heard. Mm -hmm. Like, of whom I have no idea. Like, uh, who assisted on these? Jared McCann and Mark Pissick. I couldn't tell them apart from Adam, but I at least know the names, you know? Mackenzie Weger. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) As if that wasn't bad enough, the Panthers scored... Guess how many minutes? It wasn't more than three. Less than two minutes later, Mike Hoffman, his 15th. Jonathan Hubie Dewey Doo, his 28th. 28th? Yeah, he's an assist machine. He's a freak. Uh, and Mark Andre uh, <laughs> Alexander Barkov, his 17th. He's really lagging. Barkov's not even trying. Assists. Yeah. We should trade for that guy. I guess. There you go. There's your Tarasenko trade. No. <laughs> Maybe for that in like a first and some stuff. Uh, give us, give us that kid in the in the AHL too. That center kid that's well, supposed to be real dude, good. I mean, I'm just joking, but really, over <laughs> the first, maybe some stuff. <laughs> Passed the puck or failed to clear again to Steen, who then definitely failed to clear the blue line. It was stopped by the in, insatiable Keith Yandel. Barkov <laughs> <laughs> well, got it. Know him At least I'm making you laugh in yeah. this train wreck. Barkov <laughs> got it on one end, passed to UVDVD on the other end, who passed to Hoffman in front. Bowmeister went to a knee to try and defend. Great defense. Pareko <laughs> lost his man. It wasn't really Allen's fault at the same time. kind of was. It wasn't great. Uh, but Hoffman roofed it and scored perfectly on the far side. But Braden Shin scored his seventh goal of the season. Alexander Steen, Vince Dunn assisting, and I forgot to take any notes on this goal, but he did certainly score, and it was yeah. great, and it was with four minutes left, and I couldn't believe it. When they scored their tying goal, I literally skipped through my kitchen cackling. I had <laughs> lost my mind. <laughs> I think I texted you. They, I, they duped me again. I can't believe they duped me again. I really thought we were going to win this game. Uh, the Brayton Shingle, I know, was like a shot that bounced around real close to um, Luongo there, and Shen was able to kind of backhand, forehand it around him uh-huh. while he was while Luongo wasn't able to recover. And I didn't see this part of it until the replay because I was at a weird angle to watch it. But he almost did the old Troy Brower and bounced it off the post. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do remember inside that. inside of the post and skittered in, but it was like, oh, that was way too close, Braden. <laughs> uh, but in any case, the Blues take home, I would say not an especially pretty win. No. But they won 4-3. to three. They did survive a, a lengthy 6-on-5 that looked hairy at points. Uh, outshot the Panthers 33-25. to 25. Face-offs were... Dead even. Nobody scored on the power play. Boys got more hits and blocks and giveaways, as always. And rinse, wash, and repeat. The Boys won a game. I can't believe that part. Who was good in this game, Ian? 
I thought Schwartz looked good on his return back. I thought Schwartz, Shen, Braun, that whole line looked really good and effective. Even the shifts they weren't scoring on, they looked like they were asserting themselves. And like I've said before, when Braden Shen is physical and asserting himself, he plays a whole lot better. I think maybe some of that vinegar he had in him from all those interviews from the last game sort of were brought over into this game. I also thought we mentioned Thomas, I thought a really good game, had the one assist, looked dangerous, had two or three scoring chances he made on his own. He's not as fast as Cairo, but he's a fast kid. He's faster than I thought. He's a great skater. I think he's a better skater than he got credit mm-hmm. for. He's not fast, but I think, I mean, he is pretty fast. Yeah. But he's more in that Ryan O'Reilly mold where he's working hard and he knows where to be. He does a good job of skating it on the side, pulling up, and kind of creating room for the rest of the team to kind of set up in the zone. I think that's a really good asset of his as someone that can gain the blue line. Um, but who's who I saw that wasn't great this game? Live and I think we both had these views, the same views and the same players. So I thought that was kind of nice. Either we're both just one mind, maybe we're just five mind, or we're just super smart. The two of us and Justin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, welcome to the one one guy, one hive mind. Three guys, one hive. Whatever. You got it. You people know how hive minds work. I'm sure. Uh, bad games. Pareko. Oh the guy. My. I think he's fine. Right after he crosses his own blue line. Neutral zone, offensive zone, backing into his zone, fine, generally. Where you want a blue ma- a defender to be strong, though, not yeah. so good. <laughs> it's not even that he's not, he's active. He's just kind of the opposite of Petrangelo. I don't feel like he's ever coming away with the puck. And when he does have the puck, God, he's trying to get rid of it. That's like a live grenade. to an opponent. Yeah, it's just rimmed right around the boards, and not particularly strongly. And then it's straight to a Panther player. It, uh, I don't know. It's he's a fine defenseman. I think on a first pairing, he's overexposed. Oh yeah, very attractive. I yeah, I don't think you can have him long term as like a first defenseman as a number one guy, top pairing, just. Not in the cards, man. Here's the thing. Not yet. I know people want Petro gone. We'll talk about it more. If somebody is out there who is going to give you as much or more value for Pareko because of the term on his contract than Petrangelo, to me, no-brainer. You take that and you extend Petrangelo and you laugh yourself to the bank. Mm. We'll talk about it more later, but that's where I'm at. Yeah. Who else looked bad? Anyone else? Uh, you know what? I don't think Tarasenko looks bad, but he doesn't look he like does look Tarasenko. <laughs> yeah. I I see lots of fans on Reddit and stuff going. You know what? He's not scoring as many goals, but man, oh, I notice him defensively. Man, is he back on? You know, fast on the back know. check and everything. I think he looks fine. I think he looks okay defensively, which is better than what he used to look, so that's a stride did, in the right direction. He did get one Jeremy Rutherford sulky vote last year. There you go. If that wasn't JR, I don't know who all votes on that, but who possibly gave him a sulky <laughs> of vote? Everyone in one league. fifth place vote out of the like fourteen hundred cast. I like how I do love how they can just vote for the place though. I vote mm-hmm. one for fifth place for you. <laughs> no better, no worse. He looks all right defensively, but folks like man. Watch him try and score, and he still tries. But I'm just thinking of the. I'm just thinking of the result. Remember when he would have the puck, 
And when he didn't score, you were just, like, flabbergasted. Mm. You were, like, beside yourself, like, oh, my God, no. And then you knew he was going to score later in the game, or you knew he, like, had it in him, he was angry now. He was going to start shooting, he was going to score. I don't feel that anymore, almost ever. And when he doesn't score, I'm used to it. And when he does, it's crazy to say, but I'm a little surprised, surprised? now. I really am. Mm-hmm. Especially five on five. He's got some power play goals at five on five. Not so many. He's fine. I don't want to I don't want to trade Vladimir Tarasenko. I think he's still got it in him. I don't think he forgot how to score. But man, someone's gotta get in this guy's ear and his ear and say the opposite of what everyone has been trying to tell him ever since he got here about you gotta play better defense. You gotta be active in <laughs> your own zone. Vlad, we've always told you, you gotta play better offense. Abandon your own zone. (laughs) (laughs) I I need to, for the love of God. I know we used to have, you know, I think we used to have actually a better defensive team. I don't know why at that point we needed him to try and play defense. The guy, if he just wants to float around where a scoring area is open. God, I would just be a cherry picker. It blows my mind that he is on the blue line on the power play it blows my mind that he's even close to the corner five on five he's out there he's like a weird qb for this team i don't know if they're asking him to do this i swear to god they probably aren't he's just doing it himself Mm -hmm. he probably isn't but it's like he's a weird puck distributor he's like the babysitter of the team he's like i need to get this to everybody else it needs to be you dude you can't score from up there he tries to skate in there's too many bodies by the time he's at the top of the circle dusting off skating in there's so many people there you gotta be finding. You need someone to get you the puck. You gotta be in the quiet areas. You, yeah. I don't know. It's, I. Sorry, God. It, it's just infuriating to watch, and I know he can score. The guy didn't forget. They yeah. just need to put him in a position to succeed, which sounds ridiculous at this point. I agree a hundred percent. I've had a debate with a friend uh, who is from St. Louis and is a Blues fan, but is a huge Steve Eiserman fan, and so he was a Red Wings fan when he was younger. He's a little bit older than us, but we've debated before about, like, his basic take is like, well, Brett Hall really wasn't, like, he's an all-time great, but he's not one of the greatest players ever because, like, he didn't have a well-rounded game. Mm-hmm. And I get where he's coming from, you know, and I wouldn't put him in, I wouldn't put Huller in necessarily, like, the top ten all-time. Mm-hmm. But he, maybe, he's probably third all time at just the ability to put pucks in the net. Mm -hmm. At just that, he might be better than Gretzky. It's only Ovechkin that I'm like a thousand percent sure is ahead of him. And like, I'm not obviously, I'm not really saying Tarasenko is, is Hall, Mm -hmm. but like, if that's all, all you do, quote unquote, but you do it extremely well, there's 19 other players on the, well, 20 if you count the goalie, whose job is to keep the puck out of the net. Mm-hmm. If you can put the puck in the other team's net 50 times a season, which I think he's capable of at his peak with the right guys distributing him the puck, I don't care if you're a little bit of a lackluster defender. He's not going to, like, he's not an embarrassment out there Mm -hmm. but if he needs to cherry pick a little bit if he needs to give up the occasional play on his in his defensive zone i don't care i don't know why we ever decided we cared i know that was one of our biggest mistakes because i think i used to care and now i like yeah like i do not give a shit anymore seriously exactly imagine him if he was back to like 
he was what thirty three goals last year or something. Mm-hmm. So I mean over thirty, but well, he's still fourth in the league over the last four seasons, and I think that's starting counting this mm-hmm. year. So this year in the last three, fourth in the league in overall goals. Mm-hmm. So it's still absurd the fact that we think he's struggling. I mean, he is, but he's, he's on a for him. he's yeah. on a twenty five goal pace, which for anybody else would be like very good, you know. <laughs> but like for him, it's just not good enough. And when he's Getting close to 40, you can, you know, when it's one of those seasons, you can tell he's feeling it. And it's just, he's so much more of a threat. I don't mm-hmm. feel like he's much of a threat anymore. Yeah, and he's so streaky. I mean, he's always been streaky, but lately it's just been woof. I, I believe he can get out of it, but yeah, it's and I, just annoying to see from a Blues fan's perspective. I think with him, just... I think his, he's unfortunately playing at the same time as Alex Ovechkin. And so it's like, oh, you're a big Russian sniper too. Be like Alex Ovechkin. Mm. And it's like, he, he's not everything that Alex Ovechkin yeah, yeah. is. Alex Ovechkin is, is top ten players in the history of the NHL levels of good. Mm-hmm. Overall game, I mean, it, even he is not like a, you know, not friggin'... Pierre Turgeon in the defensive zone. I don't know if Pierre Turgeon. <laughs> it was just the first name in my head. But, um, you know, he's not a f- phenomenal defensive player, but he's he's pretty good, and he's, you know, obviously the most potent scorer, arguably, of all time, adjusted for era. And so, like, I think it's unfortunate because people are like, yeah, go be him and score all the goals, but also be really physical, too, and, like, lead the team and be everything. And it's like, if he's just going to score the goals, we're fine with yeah. it. So let's move on to talking about some some of the aspects of this team, and let's talk about with where this team is in the standings. You did some math. Um, this team is 11-14-4 with 26 points. They've played 29 games. Yes, they have quote-unquote games in hand on almost everybody in the NHL. But Ian... For the people, I don't, I don't, I'm really not trying to just like crap on people's hopes and dreams. Let's do it. I'll do it. But for the people out there who are like gung ho, this team is not in all that bad a shape. Why don't you tell us what it would take to get us into the playoffs this year? They are in all that bad a shape. (laughs) Uh, Yes, they're 11, 14, and 4 in their 29 games. That's 26 points. So in that time period, they have gained or they have, uh, whatever, acquired 44.8% of the possible points they could. So under half. Not great to start with. This puts them 13th in the West in terms of points. They're 10 points out of the second wildcard spot. What would they need to do to make the playoffs? We're just talking about second or second wildcard spot in the West. Just to barely make, but make, the playoffs. Avalanche made the playoffs last year in the second wildcard spot, as we know. So we lost that last game to them. They made it in with 95 points last year. So you can use that as a jumping-off point. The Blues need to get at least 69 points, nice, (laughs) in their next 53 games to reach that 95-point floor. But, Ian, you get two points per game, and we only need barely one point per game the rest of the way, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) So in order to get those 69 points... Nice. (laughs) In 53 games... The Blues would have to have a record of 34, 18, and 1, or equivalent. That is a point percentage 
of 65% that the Blues must achieve over the remaining 53 games. What's their point percentage so far this season? It is 44.8. Cool. So that's 20% more points. We have to get one of every five more points than we've gotten. The Blues would have to win, on average, two out of every three games for the remainder of the season. Some perspective. The Jets are 19-9-2 right now, which is 40 points that they have. That is a point percentage of 66.7%. The Blues would have to play as well as the Jets have played thus far in this first third of the season. They would have to do that for twice as long, so the rest of the season. They would have to be, as good as the Jets are now, the rest of the season, to barely get in the playoffs. So, if they get in the playoffs, they're red hot. They are scorching hot, and they have to be. There's one scenario where they're not. They win 34 games, and they lose 18 games in a row. (laughs) Then they're ice cold, and they made the playoffs. That won't happen. More likely, it's, you know, just hot all the way in. That's amazing. It's very unlikely. To put it in perspective... The run we went on when Yo took over is would barely be good enough and was much shorter. Because that was like 22, 10, and 2 or something like mm-hmm. that. I mean, you took over at the beginning of February, yeah. So that's about the point share we'd need. But for half again as long. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just not reasonable. And a couple, a couple of things I want to stretch. Yeah. Ninety-five isn't a guarantee. Mm-hmm. It's a very tough conference this year. The Pacific is kind of crappy, but in like a wild and crazy <laughs> guys sort of way. You know, like any six of those teams could get to ninety something points. Um, and our division has. I don't want to say arguably the three best teams in the league because they don't have Tampa or Toronto, but they may have the next three. I don't think people are probably paying attention to how freaking red hot the Avalanche have been until like the last day or two. Mm -hmm. Miko Rantanen Rantanen is on pace for like 140 points. That guy who we all said he can't do it again. It was just because McKinnon was so good. He's better than McKinnon. <laughs> and they're going to add freaking Capo Keco or whatever because they have the freaking Senators pick. You have to play those guys the most. All your gimme games against the Blackhawks are already over. Remember mm-hmm. how we talked about that? Remember how we talked about we'd saved all the Blackhawks games last year and this year they just preloaded them all? Well, they're gone. They're done. But I bet we still have a bunch against the Preds and the Jets and the Avalanche and the Stars who are no slouches. It's just, it's just not reasonable. And to me, we talked about it a little bit. To me, there are three scenarios. You get red hot, you make the playoffs, you're a red hot team, you're hell to deal with in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Great. Not likely. Mm-hmm. Preferable, arguably. Not likely whatsoever. Scenario number two, which is somewhat likely, is you are exactly as bad as you've been so far this season and you finish bottom five in the league and you're a a serious competitor in the draft lottery and maybe you get (laughs) if not jack hughes a caco or a or a kirby doc dasher or whoever (laughs) um 
That's not like a Pokemon. You get a Kako evolved uh, <laughs> Kirby Dash. Kako, and then you get Kirby Dash um, with the Moonstone. I absolutely agree. The worst case scenario, and maybe the likeliest, mm-hmm. is that this team writes the ship. Quote unquote. Doesn't take doesn't set the ship afire and blaze it into the harbor shooting arrows at the competition, which is what they'd have to do to make the playoffs, but writes the ship, steadies their play, gets a point share of 55%, 58%. Nowhere near close enough to do what we need to do, but good enough to make us respectable the rest of the way, give us 82, 85 points and cost us the first round pick that we have this season. That to me is the nightmare scenario. Mm-hmm. Because of, of a number of things. First of all, I don't think Doug Armstrong's gonna like forget where we're at this season, but I don't want him to have any less incentive to be the bulldog that he can be at his best, you know. If this team needs a massive internal shakeup, they need it regardless of whether the rest of this season looks okay-ish. Mm-hmm. Also, we lose the pick, which wouldn't be the end of the world, obviously, if you do that well. It's not that good a pick. But, like, when was the last time we picked even in the top 13, let's say? It's been a while. I mm-hmm. think the last time we picked over 10 was Petrangelo. Yeah. So, like... Thirteen's not like a, a world class pick, but it's been a it's been like, a minute. The lowest one I can remember for sure is Schwartz at like fourteen, and that was in twenty ten, and then Tarasenko sixteen. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, we might be, and I would think that would be the lowest, most recent one. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that's still lower than thirteen. Um, you people can do math. So that, and then the the third concern is, look, I, I don't disrespect Craig Berube. He's not the person to oh, yeah. coach this team into the future. He's a and, nice guy, but it's obvious. And I'm worried if this team just does fine. I Again, I don't think Armstrong will go this route, but there's at least an outlet. If the ship just burns the rest of the way into the coast... Armstrong can't be like, Craig Berube has proven himself as the interim head coach, you know? But he certainly can um, if we get to, say, 85 points or whatever, you know, especially with the injuries we've got right now. Do we want to talk about the fight and practice first or the GM criticisms? Um you want to, let's do fight and practice yeah. first, I say. So there was a fight you and practice. Me, but it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> did you have a strong no. opinion? I certainly did not. <laughs> so what was this? Is uh, Monday? Monday, Monday, Monday? Or Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday? Uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. No, it was Monday. It right? was Monday. Yeah. yeah, it was Monday, Monday, Monday. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop that right now. Uh, so, look, we don't know the full story here, and I don't want to speculate. Of course, because of hockey, everyone was very tight-lipped. Um, but the video is pretty clearly of Robert Bortuzzo dropping his gloves and throwing haymakers at Zach Sanford from behind at the younger, smaller Zach Sanford and more defenseless, and then kind of skating away annoyed. And supposedly Sanford threw, boomeranged his bucket at him down the hall, 
uh, down the tunnel, down the down hey there, down there. The, <laughs> um, down the tube. Let's say boomeranged his bucket down the tube. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, well, uh, we haven't really talked in person about this much. Mm. Give me your thoughts. Maybe you feel very differently than I do. I doubt it. We never <laughs> do. But give me your thoughts. Maybe we do. I liked this because it was something different. <laughs> I was like, sweet, people fighting. In fact, I wanted this to mean something. I really did because God knows we need something to happen with this team. I was like, please let this be the catalyst that rights the ship or burns the team to the ground, one of the two. But then we struck middle ground when every X player... We're 1-0 since the fight, though. Yeah. Every X player basically said, that doesn't mean much. This happens a lot when your team sucks, you know. No big deal. They were trying to defend it. Like, hey, guys, because people didn't like those a fight. I Honestly, for that reason, I don't care either way. Punch your teammate. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but, like, I wanted to mean something. And they were trying to defend it. Like, hey, fighting's okay. Team, they, like, they love each other, guys. Don't worry about it sort of thing. I'm like, no, I don't want this to be meaningless. I want someone to be like, oh, shit. Robert Bertuzzo is getting tossed off the team now. Or, I don't know, something stupid. Because, like, I, I need some excitement on this team, for God's sakes. The only disappointing thing, other than being told that this was not a big deal, was the fact that it was Robert Bertuzzo and Zach Sanford. Like, and who, not Braden Shen and Alex. Yeah, Steve. God. Please, oh like, God. please let Braden Shen just sign. It could honestly be anybody. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. Like, I want him just, like, just sock Oscar Sundquist right in the scar or whatever. And he's like, there's a reason we didn't defend you when you got hit. We hate you, Oscar Sundquist. I'd be like, oh, shit, Oscar's with the problem. He's been here those couple of years, too. I don't know, folks. Sunquest Steam lost the translation. I don't know. But yeah, it was, it was no, it wasn't players from the core or like important players, no offense, guys, but it just felt meaningless when it was like your third pairing guy and Zach Sanford's played on the top line, but really, let's be honest, like a third line dude. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Uh, I will say this, though. You can fight in hockey. Like, that's allowed. I mean, they throw you in the penalty box and all. But, like, just because you can fight in the game, does that mean you can just beat up your teammate? So on Steve Dangle... It was, the, it was super weird. Like, would you have that in you? I'm a competitive person, but would you, like... I'm really tired of losing... I'm trying. To, I'm really trying to get my head in, in there. I'm so pissed that I'm losing. I'm so goddamn pissed. And now, I'm having to like do some battle with some battle drill with Samford or yada yada. And this this dude never fucking tries anyways or yada yada. This piece of shit. And we're and we're battling and we're battling and it's bullshit. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm gonna punch this dude in the face right now. I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Like maybe I'm just a meek. Quiet spoken man, but man, I I don't think that would ever cross my mind. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Steve Dangle was talking about on his show. He was like, "This isn't a big deal because uh, Zach Samford didn't press charges." And like, that's not exactly how he said it. And the other two guys were like, "That's a little far, Steve." 
and I agree with them in, in essence. But on the other hand, this is the only world where that would be a little far. <laughs> this is the only world where somebody who's half again your size and half again your age could just rain down haymakers on you from behind unannounced and not expect any discipline of any kind and in fact you were the one who was punished you were the one who was scratched for the next game admittedly they couldn't scratch Bortuzzo because they would have had to start friggin Nico Mikola in the AHL but um yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I really struggled to ever read this the way some people wanted to read it as, this is such a great sign for the team. They're finally showing part. It's like, no, they're punching each other. <laughs> Have them punch other people if they want to show part. I know, like, they're eating themselves or, alive. Hey, we're not hungry anymore. <laughs> or do the old Rampage Jackson where he breaks up a door like it's a piece of paper that he's ripping apart. That'd be cool. But don't freaking just, just deck Zach Sanford. Poor Zach isn't having the best year anyway. Uh, and it's just like, it's it's bad enough, too, because, like, your team's already so shitty that it's the talk of the entire league. Don't give them more stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. This week, the NHL talked about this team 60% because of fights 35% because of trade rumors, and then 5% because of Barkway the puppy. And that's it. That's all we got. And thank God for Barkway, because he is he is the friggin' quartet on the deck of the Titanic. He is the only thing worth paying attention to. But, oh, God. All right, let's move on to, uh, let's just talk about a couple more things. We have two big topics left to talk about, and of course we do, because we've only already been recording for 90 minutes. Um, (laughs) Two big things. (laughs) First of all, I just want to talk about, there's criticism of this team has begun to crawl up the ladder towards Army, and I get that. That's appropriate. It's the next plausible person. Right, and some criticism of Armstrong is fair. Overall, his contracts aren't great. Um... He does have some home runs, Tarasenko, Petrangelo, Pareko, the Oshi contract he signed before he traded him in easily the worst deal of his tenure mm-hmm. uh, was a, a slam dunk. I mean, it was five years for like four, one mm-hmm. on a 50-ish point player with incredible upside. Pretty good. Um but he has some big failures, obviously, Bergwin, Lateris, about Castine, and Allen, just to name a few. I will not put Jay Bomeister on that list because he was mostly fine until this last year. Um, I'll be on his gravestone. <laughs> mostly, mostly fine, fine <laughs> until the last year. <laughs> uh, Jay Bomeister, loving, fa- loving father, devoted husband, mostly fine. <laughs> Ooh, that's intriguing. You've got mystery on your hands if you read that. Ooh, one or two other things about him. Uh, he... His problems tend to be he commits to players either too soon or too late. He either locks up players like Steen or Bergwind for too long, too late, 
or he picks a player like Allen and he's like, oh, we'll just pay you gads of money for a while because you've got to be a number one, right? Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, with that said, how much of this current team can you really blame on him? Granted, he didn't address goaltending over the offseason. We get that. It was a big swing and a miss. But maybe he couldn't. Mm-hmm. Would you have been happy with him addressing goaltending if his addressing goaltending was trading Jake Allen and Robert Thomas for Sergei Bobrovsky with no guarantee of an extension? No? Mm-mm. So, yes, that is still his problem that he created, but he didn't overreact to try and fix it. And, by the way, Jake Allen's stats are a lot better lately. Beyond that, he blew up the forward core. I mean, I've never seen a team of 20 players change as much as ours did over one year. Maybe it was too much. I don't know, but it was huge, considering we only missed the playoff by a point. The defense stayed the same, but until this season, that's never been a problem. And as he even said publicly, his hands were tied with Gunnarsson and Bo Meester. He couldn't do a lot with them. I think my biggest problem, though, with the Army hate overall is just look around the league and ask yourself, how many general managers are for sure better than Doug Armstrong? And I thought we could discuss this with a quick game of over-under. And you're just going to say, is Doug Armstrong over this, you know, better over or better than this general manager under... Or worse than, or you can say push if you're a real coward. But no. Uh, so Julian Brisebois in Tampa, it's too early to tell. But push. Let's, let's just say Steve Eiserman under, right? Armstrong is under him, yes. Kyle Dubas, way too early to tell. Push. <laughs> uh, Jim Botterill of the Sabres, a little early, yeah. I would say. Don Sweeney of the Bruins. I'd say they're even... I'd say they're real close. He did... Don Sweeney gave the Matt Valeski contract and he gave the David Backus contract. Both of those, with all due respect to David Backus, are worse than even the Yori Letera... Well, maybe not the Yori <laughs> Letera deal, but worse than any of the other contracts that Doug Armstrong signed. Mark Bergevin, over for sure. He got lucky with Max Domi. I am not prepared to say he's a great general manager. Uh, Ken Holland these days of the Red Wings? I'd say Army's over him. He's old Holland, he's under Holland. New Holland is much better than <laughs> That was middle Holland. This is old Holland. Yeah. Um, Senators and Pierre Dorian. Oh, God. Oh, way well, over. Yeah. Uh, in Florida, they have that guy whose name, Dale Talon, whose name I always yeah. forget. He, I would have said over, or I would have said under once upon a time, but recently he's mismanaged the hell out yeah. of that team lately. That's true. I'd say, I'd say push. Push, yeah. Capitals, uh, Brian McClellan, I would say... I mean, obviously he won a cup last year, but he didn't draft Alex Ovechkin. And he gave some god-awful contract extensions recently. I think I like Army better. Uh, the Yermo Kikalainen, our old friend? Uh, I'd say they're same-ish. Yeah. Uh, Lou Lamorello, 
has the track record, but not the recent success. Like, yeah. Jim Rutherford, obviously ahead. The Rangers, we can't know enough about. Dom Waddell, we can't really know enough about. Chuck Fletcher, we know plenty about. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Armstrong every single yeah, day of the week. God. Sorry, Flyers. Um, and Ray Shiro of the Devils. I think he had his time. He's kind of past being a great GM, yeah. but he had his time when he was with the Penguins. If he pulled the haul for Larson move, that well, I mean that's really Chirelli yeah. being an idiot more than it's him being Over. awesome. But um, so Poyle, you probably have to give it to. Shovel assembled a good team. Well, I guess let's wait to do our own. How do you feel about uh, Brad Trilliving in Calgary? I mean, he's looking good this year. I, you know what? Generally, but he also has this, Mike Smith as his goalie. Other than this year, I think Armstrong's better. Yeah. Uh, Bob Murray with the Ducks. What has he done recently? Nothing. Given Randy Carlisle a contract for way too long. All right, I think Army over. <laughs> Doug Wilson with the Sharks. I would have said under, but it's not I'll looking say, great right now. I'll, I'll still say, say I'll, I'll probably still say slightly under, but... Overall, it's close. Peter Torelli's not close. Mm-hmm. George McPhee, hard to really grade him yeah. yet. Uh, and I'm taking him over John Chaka, damn you, Chaka, over whatever the hell is going on in Los Angeles, and over Jim Benning of the Canucks, right? Mm-hmm. So then in our own division, that leaves Stan Bowman, who I'm not going to say is better than him. He has three cups, but he's done awful, awful things to that team. Um, (laughs) Jim Nill of the Stars. Mm -hmm. I'd take Armstrong over Jim Nill, I think. Yeah. Um, New Chuck Fletcher, Paul Fenton, we can't really know yet. Uh, The Avalanches, Joe Sackick. Until the Matt Duchesne trade, it was a definite over. (laughs) Uh, Or under, whichever. I've lost track. Over. Um... And then Shovel Day off and Poyle, you probably have to give the edge to. Yeah. But with Poyle, I think it's closer than most would think. Mm-hmm. So but for like four years, Shovel Day off did nothing. So yeah, exactly. He's got like twenty years as their general manager, right? And he oh, has with Atlanta too and everything. Oh, you're saying Shovel Day off? I'm sorry, yeah. I meant Poyle. Poyle has like twenty years yeah. as their as the Predators GM, and he has one Stanley Cup loss to his name. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, you're talking about Iserman for sure, maybe Poyle, Rutherford for sure, probably Shovel Day off, and maybe Doug Wilson. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm willing to say for sure are past him. So, if you want to replace Doug Armstrong right now, fine. That's fine. But you are taking a big gamble, assuming they can do better. If your belief is, I don't care if he's better we just need a new set of eyes in here that's a more defensible argument to mm-hmm. me but if you really think doug armstrong has been awful and it's time for him to go i'm sorry that doesn't hold much water with me especially when you're looking at i would put 75 percent odds on if they fired doug armstrong it'd be bill armstrong mm-hmm. taking his place and i'd put 20 percent of the remaining odds on it being ron hextall you just got fired in Philadelphia. And beyond that, who knows? No idea. So that's my thoughts on that. Maybe it's a personal bugaboo more than anything else. Let's talk about trade rumors. The Blues are trading everyone, but they're not, but they might be. 
<laughs> Jeremy Rutherford said, but didn't say, but did say that everyone on the team is available, <laughs> including possibly Vladimir Tarasenko. The most solid rumor from Nick Kiprios of Sportsnet was a link between Petrangelo and Toronto. He talked about a possible uh, package, including Nikita Zaitsev, who is yikes, especially on five years at $4.5 million, but is a quote-unquote, and I mean quote-unquote, replacement right-handed NHL defenseman. Uh, but he also included a first-round pick, a prospect, and Andreas Janssen or Kasperi Kapanen. Now, if it's Andreas Janssen and a so-so prospect, that's not close to me. But if you're talking about Kasperi Kapanen and one of their top two defensive prospects, either Rasmus Sandin or Timothy Liljegren, then that's a po- package I have to start taking a serious look at. Mm-hmm. Um what are, would Petro waive his no trade clause? Not for a lot of places, I don't think, but maybe for Toronto. He's from King City, which is a suburb. He's obviously friends with Tavares, which wouldn't it be ironic if after all the hay <laughs> we'd it. made about Tavares coming here, Petro waived his no trade clause to go to him. 2018. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's possible. Friedman, uh, Elliot Friedman did say maybe Petro was discussed in a potential Nylander deal, but talk stalled, but maybe they're still willing to discuss it. Uh, you took some stats on Petrangelo. Do you want to talk about those? Let me find them. They're that. right underneath my <laughs> notes. Right if here. you'd been following along in your textbook. Uh, oh, man. I never do. I had a dream about that the other day. I failed some tests because I didn't read. And that's not me. That's not who I am. I can see what you highlighted. <laughs> um, yes, Petrangelo, replaceable, but not by a lot of defensemen. <laughs> uh, amongst all defensemen from 2011, the 20, or the 2011-2012 season through last season, Petrangelo is 14th in goals with 68. He's 7th in assists with 243. He's 7th in points with 311. He's sixth in average time on ice per game with 25 minutes and 25 seconds. And a stat beyond my comprehension. (laughs) I tried, and I'm going to try again, folks, but as of now, I don't quite understand. He's third in defensive point shares. I know that means that of all the points that any defenseman was a part of, like, of whatever, how many defensemen was, 200, 300 on this list, he was third in affecting the team's points the most. So just to be clear, I think these actually have to do with standing points, not ice points. Oh, really? So to me, this is... For people who are baseball stat nerds, this oh, is like comparable to, to war, yeah. which is wins above replacement. It's hockey's best effort at having a stat like that. Needless to say, if you are third in that category, you are very, very good. Mm-hmm. And that's actually huge. I didn't even realize he was that high. Um, obviously, that's defensive only and not overall counting offensive overall totals, but Offensive, he's lower. Overall, he's third. Overall on, amongst defenders? Yep. Okay, so that's pretty incredible. And here's the thing, and I was, I've on these couple of podcasts I've been on, you're not replacing Petrangelo. If you're trading Petrangelo, you're doing it because you think trading Petrangelo is what the team needs to improve. And so... With that, you're not really looking to fix a need with trading him, you know? Mm-hmm. But you need a significant packages, package of pieces that could possibly rival him 
in any reasonable way. Yeah, you have to have some sort of defense, number one defenseman potential coming back. It can't be just like Zaitsev, who I'm sure is quote-unquote serviceable. But like, <laughs> He's has, physical, which some St. Louis fans will love. Yeah. I'll lay a big hit now and then. You need someone that's going to replace him because we have nobody in the system like that. You have... Scott Prunovich, who I think is, will be a fine defenseman. But I'm excited for him, but he's not, not a, a number great one guy. No. Yeah, at all. Like, and we have no one in there. And you could draft someone this summer. They're going to be a ways away. Mm-hmm. You need somebody. A thousand percent. So what do you think? Oh, do you have anything overall more to say about possibly trading Petrangelo or about the Toronto Lynx in oh, particular? I, I don't think we're going to do that at all. I think... He has, he's having a bad season. That's not a good season for Petrangelo. Other people have hated on him much longer than we ever have. For going back this is the first ago. time we wouldn't have spat in the face of the idea yeah, of exactly. trading him. Everyone's available in the sense that Wayne Gretzky got traded one time, so everyone's available. When they got traded, traded a couple than one times. Time? Yeah. I mean, got traded ever. Yeah, that's true. Um, so everyone's available in that sense. But Petrangelo, I think, it would honestly be the hardest you replace. I like Vladimir Tarasenko. I don't think either of them should necessarily be traded. I think Petrangelo is the harder one to replace. Yeah, Petrangelo cannot be replaced reasonably. You're not getting close to that. I think the difference with Tarasenko is you're looking for goals and you can possibly replace goals by committee sort of thing. I'm not trying to downplay his the fact that he does that on his own, just one guy. But if you need to find goals somewhere, you can do it. Well, plus with Tarasenko, you know, I, it's not going to happen. But there's a world in which maybe you get uh, Don Waddell drunk and say, hey, you're not really playing Andrei Svechnikov and you need to turn this team around now. Mm-hmm. Give us him for Tarasenko. And your first round pick. <laughs> and... <laughs> and Toivo Terrifying. Like no. Mesmerizing glasses on. <laughs> but, like, so you could get a not just an okay scoring prospect, but one of the league's best. And then it's like, oh, now this is a conversation worth having. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, with Petrangelo, nobody's going to, you can't be like, give us Seth Jones for Alex Petrangelo mm-hmm. or whoever, you know, that's already like a younger. Roughly Alex Petrangelo <laughs> type. Um, Vladimir Tarasenko is also supposedly on the rumor mill. The only thought I have, I, I have seen a lot of fans that just say, if if we trade Tarasenko, I'm done. I get that just from a, like, I, I love Vladimir Tarasenko. Watching him score makes our dreams come true. His child is adorable. All of that stuff. My only problem with that is he's on the current team, too. And that's the one thing I don't really understand with the just outrage at the idea that he would ever be discussed in a trade. He's on our team now, and our team sucks right now. So while it's not necessarily his fault, I just don't understand how anyone on the current team has earned that much loyalty. Mm-hmm. The problem overall, so there are other trade players they might want to trade. The team would obviously like to get rid of Jake Allen, but will anyone take that plunge? Um, 
It doesn't sound like Steen's going to be moved, who I think is maybe the one you'd most like to. Mm. His contract is bad to begin with, so you'd have to find someone who wanted to take it. And then he'd have to waive it, which is no guarantee because he's lived most of his adult life here and he loves it here, supposedly, which I don't understand. Sweden's pretty nice, too, but hey... (laughs) Uh, and then you're looking at other guys where it's like Schwartz and Shen and Pareko are all possibilities. Someone would certainly want them. You could trade any of them. But are they going to give you the impact you're really looking for if you're trying to shake this team to its core? Mm-hmm. I don't think even even Schwartz is capable of doing that. You think you'd get the same problems as not that he's a Berglund or a Saboka, but he moves those guys out, you know, Locker room issues still persist. Yeah. Like you move Schwartz, you go, hey, we got a good young defenseman back for him. Oh, we still suck. Yeah, I think absolutely you would. Uh, the final thing, just a couple more things to touch on. Seahouse on Twitter said, Everyone is hysterical about in trades and fire sales, but shouldn't naming a permanent head coach be the first step? Determine a style of hockey before shipping off personnel? And he tagged us on this question. Uh, how do you feel about that? I agree with him, ideally. But what mm-hmm. do you think overall? Yeah, although I don't think we're going to have a permanent coach before the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And I do kind of hope some changes are made before the end of the season. Maybe they have an idea of who they want, and maybe the person has you know, agreed to it, just like, hey, we'll figure it out in the summer sort of thing, the numbers or whatever. So you kind of have an idea of where your team's headed without announcing said mm-hmm. coach. Said coach from any large metropolitan area bordering any sort of large lake. <laughs> it could be anyone. It could be anyone. By having any sort of large mustache. Yeah. Or not. Who Bearing knows? their genitals. <laughs> who knows? Everyone, everyone's got genitals. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the title of the podcast. <laughs> um, oh my God. I do think that should generally. <laughs> I would like that to generally be the case. <laughs> They're going to really start looking at our podcast sideways over at iTunes if we have back-to-back titles of the Rain City Bitch Pigeons. <laughs> and everybody has genitals. Well, maybe we get more lessons. Like, well, two guys know everyone has genitals. <laughs> I think I heard about this one before. Uh, Okay. Um, I can't answer this question seriously. So in the back of my dark and deluded brain, which usually has no optimism whatsoever, I'm convincing myself that there's a less than 0.01% chance that Joel Quinville just wants until post-Christmas to make his decision. And maybe has even already talked to Doug Armstrong and said, I loved St. Louis. I'll happily come coach there again. But I haven't gotten to spend a real, like, uninterrupted Christmas with my family for, like, 25 years. So let me do that, and I'll see you on January 8th or whatever. That's not true, but that's the little hope I have. That'd be be your post-credit scene. That's what you'd love. (laughs) There you go. Just the phone ringing, and it picks it up, and just the answer, holy fuck! Oh, my God, off-screen, you're like, he's coming! 
So while I agree with Seahouse that yes, we want to coach before these decisions are made, I don't know if the timeline's going to match up. If you want to trade Tarasenko, which I'm not saying they should, could, or will do, but he does have a no-trade clause kicking in this summer, so now is the time to strike. They only should trade Tarasenko if they really believe he's holding the team back. Like, if if whatever he isn't contributing to the team is more, you know, outweighs what he could contribute if he were playing really well. Um, and I don't know. I'm just not yeah. in the locker room. And but. also, comically, just trade him because so he can win a cup somewhere else. Because it's just going to eventually happen it anyway. Anyway, why Let's w- just get that out of the way? Why wait for until 2025 for him to win a cup with the Rain City bitch pity <laughs> when he can win one with the friggin' Florida Panthers next year? Yeah. Um, finally, just a, a couple of thoughts on prospects. We already talked about Jordan Cairo. I think we already talked Robert Thomas enough. Jordan Binnington was called up in lieu of, uh, <laughs> in replacement for Chad Johnson. Your thoughts? Good. Um, I like that they, that they got rid of Johnson. I mean, I think he was fine, but... Nothing special. I just like the fact that we no longer... Alan has no um, adult backup. For the longest time, he always had an adult backup there as (laughs) his adult person, and they're gone now. He has Jordan Bennington, who has played less than one full period in the NHL, and is still allowed a goal on four shots. Yeah, everyone behind him is Huso and Bennington and Fitzpatrick. It's just... There's no, he's the most experienced, and that's it. So I kind of like that on back-to-back games, we just have to play Jordan Bennington. I think that's awesome. Like, yeah. sweet, we got a kid in there. Let's do it. I think Jordan Bennington has really revitalized the organization's interest in him over the past year or so. Played really well with Providence last mm-hmm. year in the weird shuffle, and he played really well and even displaced Billy Huso this season with the AHL Rampage. I think part of the reason for this call-up, sorry for kicking you there, is possibly just to get him out of Huso's way. I mean, not in like a nasty way, but it's like, hey, Jordan, you get a really nice, juicy promotion, and now we get to play Huso as much as we want. And now Evan Fitzpatrick um, starts. Yeah, exactly. Um, but at the same time, I really think he's earned it. I never really understood and I'm not an, an ideal goalie evaluator and obviously haven't seen much of his film, but Bennington had a really, um, I thought, a really distinguished career with Owen Sound in the is OHL, WHL, WHL, I want to say, wherever Owen Sound is. Um, for the most part, and then I think he's never really looked bad at the a- AHL level, so I never really understood why they never gave him a look. Mm-hmm. Um, but now maybe he'll get it, and I'm totally okay with him getting a few starts because I don't think Allen is the answer long term. I'm not saying Bennington is, but it wouldn't be the wildest thing. Uh, the only other bit of news, and we'll let all of you poor listeners who are at our mercy and couldn't just pause this by your own free will uh, (laughs) go for the evening. The Blues did sign Alexei Torpchenko to an entry-level contract today. All that means probably is that when a season with the Guelph (laughs) Guelph storm is over, he will be placed with the Rampage, which I think he already played a few games there last year. Um, But I don't expect to see him in the NHL anytime this season. Still, 
a prospect that we're excited about in the long run, and it's good to have him in the fold. Any thoughts on that? You don't need Tarasenko when you got Torupchenko. That's, ex- that's exactly what he's going to do. He's just like, well, they'll never even notice. <laughs> um, do you think anything major happens to this team before we record next time? No. Okay. I don't think anything major happens before Christmas. Thanks for the buzz kill, Ian. Sorry. So until the next boring podcast, <laughs> just remember everybody has genitals and good night. Hit snooze.